you can now take KRBN Internet News sure. Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bolchevich. And now, here's Jay. And good evening, and welcome to another edition of the Bo's Nose Show. We're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Eugene, Oregon. By the wonders of the internet, I can actually do my show from wherever I am. And today I just have to be downtown in my office because I just finished up a housing authority uh, commission meeting. It's one of the things as a board of commissioner, I'm not only on the county board of commissioners, we also function uh, as the housing authority for Lane County under uh, federal regulations and, and HUD. So, you know, we, we deal with all the HUD uh, housing issues here in, in the county. And we just wrapped that meeting up a little while ago and didn't have enough time to, to drive back to my normal studios in my home out there in beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. So we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Eugene, Oregon, here in the public service building of Lane County at 125 East 8th Street. So uh, where my office is, if you ever come in to see me in my office and my messy stacks of stuff all over the place. So today is a free for all day on the Bo's Nose Show, which means you get to control the conversation. I don't have a guest coming on. And uh, if you call into the show, We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. All you have to do is give us a call here at 646-721-9887. And uh, press 1. That lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887. Just press 1. So coming out of the... uh, housing authority meeting it kind of always leaves me thinking about housing and i've been thinking about housing a lot lately in fact we talked we talked about it on the show several times and it's it's just because it's becoming such a large issue for uh, our community here in lane county across the state of oregon in fact nationally they talk about the you know the housing affordability crisis and you know very few areas of the country where you can just you know work a, a fairly um, you know, low-income job and afford the rents in the area uh, you know, without having to do you know, incredible things with your budget and all that. And in fact, um, you know, some of the statistics I've seen, you know, they talk about affordable housing. You know, first, you know, let's kind of define affordable housing. It means that you're spending less than 30% of your household income on your actual rent. Or, or mortgage, you know, to keep a roof over your head. Um, if you're over that, they call it being housing burdened. And if you're 50% or more of your income being spent on housing, they call that extreme burden. And what's surprising is like one out of three renters in Lane County spends more than 50% of their income on their housing. Just, you know, let that sink in for a minute that one out of three people paying rent, not homeowners, but renters, are extremely housing burdened. So that kind of you know gets you in the situation where it's pretty easy to have a couple of emergency bills come up and suddenly you can't make the rent payment and next thing you know, you're on the street. If anyone wonders why we have a homeless situation going on, that's part of the reason because people are just so tight with their budgets. Coming out of the housing authority kind of you know makes me think about all the the things that we're hoping to do to provide some affordable housing through some of this uh, HUD you know federally funded projects. But one of the things that's kind of been uh, interesting is national news has actually had an impact here locally on our ability to get going with a project we've had on the books and have 
own the property and everything else and I've been ready to go down here at you know just a couple blocks from where I'm sitting at Sixth and Oak uh, around the Obi project which was in the newspaper this morning as Brian Obi has purchased a bunch of other properties nearby the uh, property that we've got under lease agreement with him for an expansion of his uh, market uh, area properties uh, and uh, Basically, uh, I guess he's calling it the market district down there, and he's looking at adding to his hotel holdings down there and also expanding some of his shops and restaurants. And in addition to that, building some uh, market rate rental housing. But across the street at, at, the, other, at the other corner of Six and Oak, we are planning on a uh, housing authority project that was going to have the first floor be uh, retail stores, hopefully um, you know, maybe even small grocery store or something like that, to, to, so residents living upstairs wouldn't have to go too far. And um, upstairs would be four floors of uh, what we call um, workforce housing, where it's affordable for those that are typically in the workforce uh, in downtown that maybe not necessarily professional workforce, but that service industry workforce, such as all the folks that, you know, work behind the cash registers at all those um, shops in the Fifth Street Market and the folks that are attending your tables at all the restaurants, uh, they need a place to live close to where they work. And that's what that project is going to do. But nationally, as they're you know, the election results came in last a year ago, you know, uh, and there looked like there was going to be a huge change possible in, in the tax structure. We use something called tax credit financing for a lot of this affordable housing where corporations can buy tax credits um, to help finance these product, projects. Uh, at a, at a really be really reasonable rate for the author housing authorities, um, but those tax credits value is based on how what the corporate tax rate is, and with the whole talk about tax reform and not knowing what that rate was going to be, the tax credit financing market fell apart, and we actually have had to delay that project over a year and a half now, kind of waiting for the finalization of tax reform so people could understand how valuable those tax credits are to purchase. Uh, and it's been really tough for us to move ahead with some of our uh, new con construction of new affordable housing here in Lane County because of that national influence of tax reform. So, you know, kind of one of those places where national news is actually having impact locally here in Lane County uh, concerning this tax credit financing. And there's other projects we have that we'd like to get to that we're having to also postpone that we had designed to be, you know, the next dominoes in, in the uh, in the affordable housing portfolio where we've got these units planned for workforce housing at Six and Oak. We had additional affordable housing units planned in Glenwood uh, we, where we actually have a contract to purchase some land that we keep having to extend the purchase contract because that was supposed to be constructed after the Six and Oak project. And then we've also got a project that we're looking to try and do on Martin Luther King Boulevard there next to our uh, behavioral health uh, headquarters. It's the third one in line and it's kind of as, as the first one keeps getting delayed, the other two also keep getting pushed back in the calendar and it's uh, really uh, preventing us from moving forward with some great projects that could help add to our, our housing stock. Because the real issue with why housing is so unaffordable here really is about housing supply. And, and without more housing on the market, we're going to continue to see the, you know, the pressures on housing because, you know, we still are, are experiencing over a 1% growth in population here in Lane County. Uh, actually, it's probably going going up, but that's what we know of based on year-to-year -year statistics that are running about a year and a half behind because you know, it takes that long to get the data in. And um, it really, uh, you know, as we look at the future, we've got things like Corning uh, 
you know, that bought the Hynix folks and who knows how many jobs those are going to bring into our community. We've got the Knight uh, Applied Science Campus that's going to bring at least 300 direct jobs in the next few years after they start construction of that, not just the construction jobs, but once it's built, the U of O is going to be hiring 300 new people to staff that, that campus. So, you know, who knows how many jobs that is total. Plus, you know, even things like the 75 jobs that are coming up here in uh, Junction City that the grain millers folks uh, are adding that granola uh, bar manufacturing plant there up in Junction City. You know, all those add up to, to more and more people coming here, living and, and earning wages and then wanting to enter the, the housing market here and competing for housing. And unless we're constructing more housing of all kinds, uh, that pressure is going to remain. What's interesting, there was an article in the Register Guard about a month ago where in Bend, uh, there was a very large apartment complex developed there that started about a year ago and was built out over the last year or so to where they added a little over 700 uh, rental apartment units into the Bend housing market over a, about a 16-month period. And because of that, Bend, the rents in Bend have stabilized. They haven't been going up over the last year. And rental uh, companies, the landlords, uh, are offering discounts on security deposits and first and last rent and stuff like that to entice tenants to come and rent their units. So you know, it's a you know, it it just says if you if you build the supply it will change what's happening in the housing market right now. Unfortunately, we're not getting that supply in Oregon that we'd like to have, uh, but there are some ways we do some of these projects we're doing at the Housing Authority, but that's really a very small uh, way of adding to housing. Uh, really, the, the big ways is, is in looking at things like urban growth expansions to add residential lands to some of our cities. Uh, and then also there's uh, the legislature passed a bill last session that actually allows Lane County to add um, the ability for folks to add accessory dwelling units to a rural residential properties. And uh, that's something we're gonna be looking at here. Unfortunately though, they, they, they may have done that in error. <laughs> the folks that, that wrote the law actually weren't careful about the wording of it, and uh, they may try to reverse what they did in, in uh, February's short session and take away that ability. So um, I'm going to be trying to prevent that so we can kind of move ahead with some surety that we're allowed to uh, allow accessory dwelling units because there's 100,000 people that live outside of incorporated cities in Lane County, and if just a small portion of them decide to add mother-in-law suites or a uh, uh, trailer to their 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 lot or a manufactured home or a tiny home, some you know uh, convert a barn into a, a, a living quarters, those are the kind of extra units that you know spread out over the whole county could really add to our our housing stock in a very uh, short amount of time. Uh, you know, a lot of the other things like expanding urban growth boundaries takes time. Uh, and we really don't have time to catch up on our housing inventory. We need to, to move quickly. So housing is always on my mind and how it ties to employment and economic development. It, it, you know, all you have to do is, is kind of put those two words two terms into Google housing economic development and you'll find plenty of, of articles about how the two are interconnected because frankly we're not going to be able to continue to attract um, new employers to move into this area or to convince existing employers that are growing to stay in this area if their employees can't find housing that they can afford in this area. You know, it, it affects the workforce availability, which affects the ability for these companies to grow or to move into this area. So um, it's tied together. And, and it's, and it, you know, you can understand why there's some pressure for it. I was kind of doing some research today and was looking at employment statistics for Lane County. 
And what was interesting is in the first quarter of 2011, uh, the, house, the amount of jobs to the first quarter of 2017 is actually grown by over 18,000 here in Lane County. And that's, I, I specifically looked up those two quarters. The first quarter of 2017 is the most recent data they have. And I went back to the first quarter of 2011 because that's when I took office here in Lane County. So since I've been in office as a county commissioner, over 18,000 jobs have been added here in Lane County. And uh, that's pretty amazing if you wonder why there's such a, a, a push on housing here. Uh, think about that. You know, that's that many more people earning incomes and having the ability to rent and, you know, possibly new new folks that have moved into our community. So uh, that that may be, you know, the answer to why there's a housing crunch um, is just we have a, a, a rolling economy here in Lane County. But if we want it to continue to do so, we got to figure out how to build more housing, which, uh, you know, is something I'm going to con continue to focus on as a commissioner and any ideas you might have for that, I'd be willing to listen to. But again, I'll remind folks, this is a free-for-all day here on the Bo's Nose Show. So just give us a call at 646-721-9887. Just press 1, and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation, and we'll get you right in here. So again, that's 646-721-9887. And don't forget to press one because that highlights that you want to ask a question instead of just listen to the show. So other news uh, you know, that kind of relates to housing, uh, and it was in the newspaper today, was uh, our board approved a um, homeless uh, overnight camping uh, program in the River Road, Santa Clara uh, area yesterday on a four to one vote where I was the one uh, person voting against it. And this is the pilot program we've talked about over the last uh, month or so on the program where it would allow, and they actually uh, limited the program to not being uh, residences like driveways or backyards. It's gonna only allow churches and places of businesses and uh, uh, religious institutions and nonprofits to host somebody on their property, um, you know, in a in a vehicle or a Conestoga hut, um, possibly a tent, basically to um, allow them to stay there. And it's those folks would have to volunteer to enter the program. The, the property owners would, and of course, there'd be a little bit of um, conversation with them about whether they're a suitable property or not. Um, the county is going to contract with a nonprofit to run the program. And that nonprofit is going to actually um, take applications of folks that want to do the camping side, the actual campers, and they're going to run those folks through a criminal background check. They're going to do in-person interviews to kind of vet them and match them up with hosts to make sure that there's um, some compatibility there. And then both the uh, host site and the camper will sign contracts that basically say that, you know, the host is going to, you know, talk about maintaining the site and, and um, making sure that there's storage and, and out of, that's out of sight and, and uh, the trash services and making sure the site stays picked up. The camper will, you know, there'll be behavioral things that are in the in the camper's contract about things they can't do, like no drugs or alcohol at the campsite, um, <clears throat> and you know, behavioral things. And the current program that the city of Eugene runs has a waiting list to get in on these campsites. So it tends to be once somebody gets in on a campsite, they don't violate those contracts because. If you violate your contract, you get kicked out of the program and they just take the next person off the waiting list, more or less. So um, it, it's it, it's been a very low impact program as the city of Eugene's been running one uh, for 12 years now with very little complaints. I think they've only had one time that they've had to actually bring law enforcement out to a site which is actually a lower rate than the general population is involved in law, law enforcement. But um, the only reason I voted against it last night is, is I felt like we had failed in actually communicating about this to the folks that live in Santa Clara, which is my part 
uh, where I represent uh, the areas that are involved. Commissioner Parr represents the River Road area inside Beltline. I represent River Road area known as Santa Clara that's outside of Beltline, north of Beltline. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I was actually hearing from the constituents there, the ones I was hearing from by through Facebook comments, uh, uh, email messages, phone calls, majority and a, a dominant majority were against us approving the project. And I didn't feel like just because I know how low impact it is and I understand what the program actually does, that I should outvote the majority of my constituents on this because I know better than they do. I find that when government does that, it really makes people angry because it, it makes government seem arrogant. And what it is, is I failed to communicate out to all those people just what the program is and get them to at least be neutral to it, if not supportive, uh, in, in a more of a majority way. And, and, and what I asked for was the board to delay a decision on this. So maybe we could have time to provide better information out there to do better outreach um, in the Santa Clara and River Road neighborhoods. And then I, I asked him to hold a evening public hearing um, out in, in the area, probably at North Eugene High School, where we could actually take public input after we've gone through that informational outreach uh, phase. And, um, but I was outvoted uh, and it was mostly because you know, folks were justifying it as it's only a one-year pilot and we'll watch and if things are going wrong, we can stop at any time during that one year. Um, but I kind of thought it was more important to get support before we moved ahead. And um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I think my fellow board members felt like they could do the pilot and see how it works and people would support it after they saw it wasn't a problem. But again, that's kind of that um, sort of the arrogance of, of having inside, you know, being intimately involved in the process as commissioners and elected officials, whether you're a city councilor, a county commissioner, a state legislator, and kind of not listening to the voters because they just don't have all the good information that you have. I don't like really doing that. So that's one of the reasons, that's probably the main reason I voted no uh, yesterday on this pilot program. I think the actual program is a good program. I think we just did a poor job of talking to people and getting the public support of it. Um, so, because people camp illegally anyway out in this area. And the ones that are camping illegal are the ones that everyone has problems with, the ones that are, um, you know, causing unsanitary conditions, leaving trash all over the place. This program provides for sanitation. It provides for trash pickup, uh, and it makes sure it's being done in, in not an unsightly way because that's you know requires that you know if they they have belongings that they're stored out of sight. Um, so it's it's a uh, and it's been a, a a really low impact program with very few complaints and only one time in 12 years there's been any call out by law enforcement um, is pretty amazing record. So uh, that was kind of one of the things on yesterday's uh, agenda. Other thing on yesterday's agenda, agenda was a tax foreclosure on a piece of industrial property out in Dexter. It's a rural industrial site that was an old uh, mill site, and that's how it got the industrial zoning. And the mill had closed, and somebody purchased it and tried to restart a business there doing RV and boat storage that seemed to fall apart. And and kind of in that, uh, at the same time, the person kind of became a, uh, a, a sort of absentee landlord to the property and not really paying close attention. So um, some folks actually moved on to the property and are living there, which isn't legal and rural industrial properties do not allow uh, dwelling on them. And uh, it's been a real problem for the neighbors to where the neighbors feel unsafe and all that. And uh, we actually had foreclosed on the property and taken um, ownership of the title of the property, but actually hadn't taken physical ownership of the property yet. 
because the, after we took title, the owner came back and said, hey, I'd like to pay the taxes off and buy back my property, which there is a process to do under our code. Uh, but the only, for industrial property, the only way you can do that is you have to show that you're physically or mentally uh, incapable of handling the taxes during the period of non-payment and the redemption period. Well, you have to not pay your taxes for three consecutive years, and then the redemption period following that, any time during the following two years, if you pay part of that, you know, one year of that uh, back taxes, at least it will extend another year uh, of owning the property. You have two years to do that. So it's five years straight, you have to ignore your property taxes <clears throat> in order to, you have to basically show you're incapacitated for that full five years uh, and could not handle taking care of it. <clears throat> and um, that was basically the decision that came before the board because the way that our, our lane uh, code is written, the board makes that determination is whether somebody can, has provided sufficient evidence of whether they were in, in not, didn't have the capacity to deal with the taxes. And um, basically, um, we were provided with evidence of somebody being hospitalized for three to seven days, four times in the last several couple of years never dealt with the original three years um, of, of that and um, claims of having issues with uh, uh, ammonia imbalances in the blood causing mental issues and all that but no uh, uh, expert testimony from any medical professionals no third-party verification of that um, and it it just seemed to be that and the guy was able to hire an attorney to represent him in this in this uh, process uh, represent. So it kind of uh, led me to believe that sometime within the five years and, and, and the number of hours and working days that were available, he could have spent um, a little bit of time arranging to have a check sent for at least one year's back taxes um, to prevent the foreclosure process. Uh, and so in, in this case, be, between the uh, misuse of the property and the, the failure to provide evidence of, of five years of incapacity, um, the board chose to actually move forward with the foreclosure of that property. And we are move, moving forward with actually taking possession. One of the things that complicated taking possession of the property, if there was a chance the board was going to sell it back, is there is a marijuana business on the property. <clears throat> which gets to be a very interesting thing because yes marijuana is legal for um in the state of oregon for private people to to deal with and all that but we as a county government take a lot of federal money and it's still illegal illegal under federal law <clears throat> and if we were to have taken actual physical possession of the property which includes this marijuana business and, and would have us take possession of the marijuana on the property and then had chosen actually to sell back to this owner we would have had to turn the marijuana back to the owner which meant we were actually trafficking in marijuana and violating federal law now if we take possession of the property now with the intent that we aren't going to be giving it back to the owner we can actually destroy and dispose of the marijuana and not have to return it to somebody uh, if, if in fact, they don't get it the heck off the property. Now they know we're, we're, we're um, evicting everybody from it and taking possession. Um, that was part of the issue and why we didn't take immediate possession upon uh, foreclosure for tax non-payment of taxes. So just kind of one of those interesting little legal aspects of being a, a commissioner is, you know, tax foreclosed properties and dealing with that. And then a tax foreclosed property with a marijuana business on it really made it very a little bit interesting. Um, so fun little uh, day yesterday between homeless camping, tax foreclosures, and, and then we even you know had the uh, Florence uh, revision Florence on our schedule yesterday, where we actually approved a 1.2 million dollar grant of 
tourism funds to the city of Florence uh, in, in conjunction with some money they're getting from ODOT to redo the streetscapes of Highway 101 and 126 as you come through uh, uh, Florence near Old Town and, and better direct people into Old Town Florence um, and provide for some public art and some other things. It's hopefully going to attract more tourists to uh, stay uh, a while in Florence and spend their tourism dollars there. So that's kind of the tie between the tourism funding and this this uh, application, this request from the city. And we're actually going to be providing 200,000 a year for six years um, to add up to the 1.2 million. But kind of excited about participating in that project. We're only one piece of about $7 million uh, in total project uh, costs out there, um, where it's going to kind of totally redo how you see Florence there as you come in uh, Florence on 126 and enter the city limits and then make that left on 101 towards the Sayusla River Bridge. It's going to look a whole lot different um, in that, that um, two-mile stretch approximately. I think it's about two miles. So um, that was another exciting piece of yesterday. And then, you know, we have all sorts of other land use stuff that came before us yesterday. So never know, quite know what you're going to be doing. We also took our semi-annual um, public health report yesterday because not only are we the housing authority under HUD law in, in Lane County, we are also the Board of Health under state law. So we have to also handle, handle public health. Uh, pretty interesting. There's actually some good news about tobacco usage in Lane County uh, going down, um, but some, you know, some warning news about some other issues in Lane County. Uh, we're still still have issues with obesity. Um, we're the one particularly uh, distressing piece of news is the increase in sexually transmitted diseases in Lane County is still continuing to trend upward um, and uh, a little bit of a troubling trend because you think about something that's a completely preventable um, issue and that's sexually transmitted diseases. So something for us to pay attention as a public health authority and trying to prevent that, doing some better education possibly and, and just uh, maybe changing some uh, some thought around on uh, you know unprotected sex and and you know trying to you know deal with maybe some of those situations where that happens due to you know a lot of it's you know the result of um, you know addiction issues and uh, use of uh, substance abuse in some ways so it'll be be interesting to see if we can tackle that one trend that one down in the future but at least we're we've we've made some uh, strides in tobacco use in Lane County. And, and uh, I know some people are, are unhappy about us moving the age of tobacco to 21 and some of the other things we've done relative to tobacco licensing of tobacco retail outlets here in Lane County. But it's starting to show some uh, fruition here in a reduction that we're starting to see uh, here in Lane County. So again, today is a free-for-all show on the Bose Nose Show. And again, I'm your host, Jay Bozovich, West Lane County Commissioner. And if you want to change the topic of conversation, talk about something I've already talked about, or you know, take the show in your direction, give me a call at 646-721-9887. And just press one that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887. So we covered a few topics here, everything from housing and homelessness, tax foreclosures, a little bit about employment and, and what's going on here in economic development in Lane County. We even talked about Brian Obie and his desires for downtown. And I tell you, that's some exciting stuff he's thinking about doing in downtown. And when you think about everything else that could happen in downtown uh, Eugene here, if we can... Um, get the land swap finished up and get a new county courthouse uh, and, and get that farmer's market uh, a permanent home uh, on a decent place of land. Brian Obie moves forward with his development and, and we get the new housing there uh, from the housing authority at Six and Oak and uh, his new hotel and shops and um, just how he's going to upgrade some of the other properties that he's purchased and kind of tie it all together into a large market district. Um, and then 
we may redevelop um, our parking garage that sits on the other side of 6th Street. Um, and there's some talk about whether we add some convention space facilities to add to the existing convention center, which um, there's been some studies that show that we need to add some square footage to that to make it competitive and more functional. And uh, that may you know, tie together with the, 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 the Hilton and the, the Eugene Convention Center there that's across the street. Um, all that works together to, you know, think about how vibrant that will make that section of downtown that basically runs from the railroad tracks and is bounded by basically um, uh, Willamette Street and the other end by High Street out to um, the, the A Street and the park blocks. That area is, you know, could change so dynamically over the next five years if all those projects you know, work together and come to fruition. Um, it's going to be an exciting downtown, you know, and, and a really nice place to come and visit. And that's that's kind of, you know, really what needs to happen is to get that energy and 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 get those folks living downtown and Obi's, you know, the apartments that are part of Obi's complex and and the and the uh, apartments that will be part of the the housing authority complex. Um, it's really really could be exciting and and additional hotel space down there and you know think about all that we can get a lot of that done before 2021 when the world track and field games come here um, what an exciting future for uh, Eugene and Lane County uh, here which will drive a lot of tourism out to Florence during those 2021 worlds and that's where we hope to have that um, revision Florence work redone on highway 101 and and 126 and they're talking about trying to uh, draw a new hotel down to the Florence area across the street from their event center. Um, so exciting things happening here in Lane County and uh, hopefully we can uh, have enough housing for all these people that are going to work in all these new businesses downtown and in Florence. Um, and one of the ways we might be able to do that is with accessory dwelling units, which uh, gets us to um, the legislature and and trying to protect that, that that ability to allow those out in rural areas uh, is going to be an important thing I'm going to be fighting for this spring. But as we think about all these people coming to Eugene in 2021 and all the people we want to come to Eugene even before then as tourists and and coming here to you know kind of get our Silicon Shire and the high tech industry going, wouldn't it be nice if when they you know, get off the plane and uh, get their baggage and they, they, you know, boot up their phones after they've got their bags on the, on the corner there, pull up their Uber or, or Lyft apps or whatever ride sharing the app they have and actually be able to get a ride here in Lane County. <laughs> yes, I'm back on that old uh, Uber topic again. But it's just something I, I, I keep coming back to because really we are at a um, marketing disadvantage to other areas now because people have gotten used to the convenience of using those ride sharing services <clears throat> and truly want to see uh, that come into this area because, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we really really need to have that convenience and be competitive with other towns. I mean, you can call Uber in Portland and get a ride. In fact, Commissioner Farr was talking about doing that the other day when he was up there for the day, rather than trying to move his car around downtown Portland from place to place he needed to go. Once he got parked uh, in an all day parking spot, he left his car and when he needed to go from one business to the next and around town, he used Uber uh, to get between the various state offices and all that he was up there dealing with. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those things you really like to try and, and you know get on with uh, and and have available here. And it's just uh, one of those things we're just going to have to keep pushing the Eugene City Council on because that is really where the decision making lies to allow Uber uh, into this area because uh, 
it's really uh, they currently are are the largest you know area where Uber would operate, and their rules right now is are they basically want to treat Uber as a taxi cab company and require everything that would be required of a taxi. Um, just about, um, and it's not really a taxi company, and it's kind of like there needs to be some compromise between Uber and the city, and come somewhere in the middle and and get get them underway. The city of Portland was able to do it. It seems like Eugene ought to be able to do it. So if you want Uber and Lyft and other ride sharing services to be available here in Lane County, you need to be contacting uh, the city council and mayor and asking them to find a way to compromise and get that located here. Because once uh, Eugene says okay, Springfield said they'd like to have them here. The problem is, is without Eugene leading the way, they won't come. And it's, you know, doesn't do them any good to be available in Junction City <clears throat> when people are gonna be wanting a ride from Junction City into Eugene city limits and they're not allowed there and the drivers and Uber would be subject to fines for violating you know, Eugene's municipal code rel relative to um, the taxi uh, and uh, that sort of service. So really, if you want Uber and Lyft, contact the city of Eugene, city council and mayor. And I think if you uh, go onto their website, they actually have a contact form where you can actually fill out a little contact thing about what you and send them a message saying please you know please um, let uber and lyft uh, come to eugene in fact uh, i think i had that linked from a facebook post uh, about two weeks ago so scroll back on my uh, jay bozovich westland county commissioner page maybe what i'll do is um, robin if you're listening maybe we can link that um, page to the uh, KRBN internet radio um, Facebook page and, and see if people listen to this show can um, take some action. It's a call to action to all. Yeah, we can do that. Go under um, the city council. I think there's a contact um, uh, drop down there and it takes you to a page that's basically one of those things where you put in your name and all that stuff and and it gives you a little box to write your message. Not as easy as the Board of Commissioners. We actually have a thing that says email the entire board. When you click that, it'll open an email in your email um, software, and you can just write us an email. You don't have to sit there and fill out a form on 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 a web page. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so if you want Uber and Lyft in Lane County, uh, even if you're not a City of Eugene resident. You need to be writing the Eugene uh, mayor and city council and asking them to allow them, because I think the more people they keep hearing from saying we want Uber and Lyft, the more pressure will be for them to find a compromise and have Uber and Lyft here in Lane County. So we'll we'll put that link up on our um, KRBN Internet Radio Facebook page, which uh, I link to uh, quite often. So. Uh, just go ahead and, and uh, you know, click on that link and write them a message telling them that you want Uber and Lyft. <clears throat> so, again, I want to remind folks we are a, a free-for-all day where you can control the topic. We still have about 15 minutes left in the Bose News Show here. So give us a call at 646-721-9887. Just press one. Let's just know you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887. We'll talk about what you want to talk about, uh, not just what's coming to mind in Jay's uh, blathering or reading of the news lately uh, and whatever else. And, and, you know, speaking of the news, you know, every day now, Somebody's been fired or there's a new accusation or some other shoe drops on this whole um, sexual harassment um, issues, uh, particularly of females uh, in the workplace. And, you know, whether it's Matt Lauer today and Garrison Keeler or, you know, uh, Representative Conyers and, and um, oh, gosh. 
uh, all I can think is a Saturday Night Live guy, uh, you know, that's a senator from Minnesota. Uh, why his name's not coming straight to my mind, I don't know. This, uh, this talk, this is what happens when you when you try and plug too much information in your brain, uh, reading all this board uh, background for everything from homeless camping to tax foreclosures. Names pop out of your head, and you can't. Ah, Frank Franken, uh, <laughs> Senator Franken. Uh, Al Franken, uh, you know, all these folks that are coming up in the news and, you know, it's, you know, some of the stuff where it's 30 and 40 years back before people really understood, um, you know, what harassment was and there was kind of a nod and a wink to it in the workplace, um, particularly when you get back in the 60s where it was just part of the culture and expected, uh, you know, that secretaries were going to get hit on and stuff like that. Um, more modern, though, anything from 20 years to the present, uh, I remember getting, um, you know, a good 20 years ago, sitting in harassment um, training, you know, anti-harassment training in, through HR departments um, 20 years ago, you know, so, you know, anytime from, you know, in, in the last 10 years, if somebody's guilty of it, you really have to be pretty ignorant at this point to not understand what's not acceptable behavior in the workplace. Um, most companies now require and make it mandatory to go through uh, harassment uh, and, and uh, all sorts of other uh, training, you know, whether it's dealing with um, uh, various protected classes uh, and sexual harassment to just, um, you know, it's in the best interest of employers to, to train their employees on that because they can, you know, if they're not providing that training, trying to prevent that, they can actually go under suit for having a hostile work environment. And for how, how many years have we been hearing about lawsuits on hostile work environments? So it's just amazing to me that some of these public figures in any recent times can have, you know, exhibited those behaviors without, without thinking that they, were, they might have a problem in the future. Um, you know, I feel pretty confident that I'll, you know, never have a legitimate claim of that against me, partly because my wife of 35 years would have killed me if I had ever done something like that. <laughs> But even without that, you know, I've always had a really high respect for women um, and, and you know, grew up with a very strong female uh, 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 personage in my mother who, uh, you know, raised me to respect women. My father was kind of absentee from the household and eventually my parents got divorced. Uh, so I've always had, you know, issues. You know, I lost my childhood best friend over how once he became an adult, he was treating the women in his life. Uh, and, you know, I had to basically disconnect myself from him. So I, I'm pretty sure um, that I've always been uh, pretty careful about how I behaved around women and with women that I, that I haven't presented that behavior. But amazing to me, just seeing it cropping up in the news constantly. And I guess part of it is, is there really hasn't been an environment that's been accepting for the women to step forward and and actually identify some of these folks that are still, regardless of how prominent the education around anti-harassment is in the workplace, still exhibit these predatory behaviors and and or just oblivious behaviors, you know that the. the overly long hugs and standing too close to people and, and telling inappropriate jokes and, and stuff like that. Um, but some of the, the, the outright predatory behaviors of, of, you know, it sounds like um, Matt Lauer may have, have, have participated in, um, you know, and, and trying to force yourself upon a coworker, uh, particularly one that might be in a subordinate status. Um, those sort of things are just, you know, I can't believe anyone would do that, but it's, you know, I, I don't understand a lot of uh, uh, antisocial and criminogenic behavior anyway. It's, it's difficult for those of us that aren't wired that way maybe to understand that, but uh, 
um, surprising to me to just constantly see it in the news. But hopefully, um, you know, the environments come around to where it's easy for victims to come forward and we can hold some of these uh, folks that, you know, accountable for some of their behaviors, uh, no matter who they are, no matter what party they're from, and no matter what business they're in or, or how famous or what past good works they might have done, um, it's not an acceptable behavior. And, and we need to hold people accountable and we need to not try the victims. They do need, there does need to be due process in this and people do need to have their ability to challenge and, and try and establish um, you know, folks have to establish, you know, be able to, to argue and, and, and if they are innocent, be able to show their innocence and all. But it, it's, a, it's an interesting situation um, that's come about in our society now. And I, I kind of see the, the, the outpouring of news recently kind of as, as a um, um, cap that's kind of been removed from the lamp of the genie or something like that and finally the genie is getting out of the bottle because we're kind of to a point in society where we're not going to uh, immediately try and um you know do as you know hillary clinton did with some of bill clinton's accusers and smear them and bring up everything they've ever done in their lives and you know and make you know make them the victim make them make them the criminal not the victim so i'm hoping we've got past that in our society and uh just kind of one of those things that as as i'm thinking of the news comes into my head and because it's a free-for-all day whatever comes into my head is what i'm talking about unless you call me at 646-721-9887 here on the pose nose show again that's 646-721-9887 just press one and that lets us know you want to get in on the conversation because we got uh yeah a good eight minutes here left on the bose nose show so we can have a pretty good conversation about what you want to talk about instead of all the blatherings of commissioner bozovich as he's thinking about what's going on with the board of commissioners what's coming up with the board of commissioners and uh you know what's going on around lane county uh what's going on around the nation and our state and speaking of our state, very interesting audit report that came out of the Secretary of State's office today, basically showing that some of our problems with our Oregon health plan seem to be bigger than they originally thought. And uh, it just amazes me that this kind of continues to snowball and get worse, but under their estimates, they may have saved the state a hundred million dollars by just going through and checking to make sure that everybody was that was that had had been signed up for the Oregon Health Plan was actually really eligible, and the reduction in the roles and the potential um, cost of those people that were removed the roles that audit shows that they've actually um, freed up a hundred million dollars in our state budget. For this biennium that's that's just an amazing number yeah boy what i could do with a hundred million dollars here in lane county yeah but, can i jump in for a sec sure robin okay um speaking of news and money and taxes uh the new transportation uh bill which i guess includes increased uh um tax at the pump and a payroll tax. Have you heard about that? Yeah, it included a um, one-tenth of one percent or something um, increase in, in the uh, payroll taxes in Oregon for mass transit. And it was, and that's going to be distributed by the state to various mass transit agencies all, all over the state by through some kind of grant process, I guess. Um, but particularly for some of the small communities, you know, that can't afford mass transit, but it's kind of, you know, that was one of those things where they, you know, as they put this bill together and they were trying to come up with a bill everybody could support, they basically had things in the bill that made everybody mad. <laughs> and that was one of the things that probably made me mad was this, this payroll tax for mass transit because, um, 
it just uh, really um, we it, all pay it. Yeah, yeah, we all pay it, and we all we don't all use it. I don't think I've stepped on a bus, and um, other than to a Ducks game, I think one once or twice um, where you know, I paid you know a fare to get on. Um, and would have been willing to pay a higher fare, even regardless, just because of the convenience of being able to park in a satellite lot and take a bus in through the traffic um, and a bus back out um, for a duck game. Uh, that that's the uh, only time I think I've used mass transit, and you know none of our employees use it for my wife's business. She doesn't use it, um, but we're all paying it, and and it's kind of one of those things where. Um, some of these mass transit systems, particularly Portland's light rail, it'd be it'd be almost cheaper to uh, pay for Uber accounts for all those folks riding the mass transit than it would be to build and run these mass transit systems. And see, and that's why Eugene will never get it because they want to expand EMX out to River Road, and as expensive as it is, if you bring in Uber, they're going to get even more pushback than they do now. Yep. Yeah, you know, why do we need it when you can go door to door for a fairly cheap price with an Uber app? You know, if we wanted to, you know, worry about low income and low mobility people, um, subsidize that, you know, and, and you know, work on that end, um, you know, provide a direct subsidy or something to those folks for what's existing um, marketplace. Uh, transportation rather than some government provided mass transit that runs on a set route that doesn't necessarily go where you want to go and and you've got to either you know find a way to get to you know the half mile to a bus stop or a mile uh, and get that on the other end get another quarter mile or a mile half mile to where you want to go um, tote your packages, take the time, change buses if you have to, and all the waiting that goes on. Oh, my gosh. That's why no one rides those systems. They're just not convenient. And if you think about it, in a sense, you're taking cars off the road because you have one car that's going around picking up multiple people instead of multiple people being on the road. Yeah. I did an Uber in D.C. where I needed to go from downtown out to my brother's house in the suburbs which was going to be a pretty long way. Um, and if I had gotten a, a, a sit by yourself Uber, it would have been fairly expensive, but they have something called carpooling in there where you pool. Uh-huh. I took the ride that way and the guy stopped and picked up something, you know, went a little bit out of my route's way and picked up another person and dropped them off on the way and did that, you know, with a couple people to where I eventually got to where I wanted to go. Um, but the cost of the ride was cheaper and and was still far faster than any mass transit. I mean, we barely they they have these apps done so well in, in, in an area like that where he hardly went off of the route that would have gotten me to my brother's house anyway right. from downtown. So it was you know I, you know relatively cheap was sharing the car with other people, all going in the same general direction. You know, just picking up and dropping off. You know, but, you know, without all the, the inconvenience of trying to arrange a uh, a daily carpool and having to stick to a daily carpool schedule and everything else, you know, just, you know, that's one of the things that's available on those ride sharing apps is to is to actually share the ride and, and get a pool car. What, you know, a mm-hmm. pool ride. Just one for you real quick since we're on the last few seconds. Yeah. Uh, 30-foot motorhome as a Uber where you can not only relax, but you can have lunch on the way. <laughs> there you go. Wonder if they have, have a premium rate for that. Yep. Well, that's a, just about what we have time for here on the Bose Nose Show. And uh, thanks for jumping in there, Robin, with, and talking a little bit about mass transit and that transportation bill. We'll be back next week here at four o'clock on Wednesday, live for the Bose Nose Show. We also come to you live on Facebook, and don't forget to like our Facebook page of the KRBN Internet News Talk Radio. And uh, you can also like my West Lane County Commissioner's page so that you'll actually see my notifications. Thank you for listening. Have a great evening. 
talk to you next week.